0: and we're filming from my Kathmandu home where I've been based for about seven years making documentaries about shamanism and um, about Nepali culture about the symbolism in their ritual objects and the shaman drum is often referred to as their horse or their vehicle so today I wanted to give a little demonstration of of representations of horses in some of their magical objects, in the fervers, in their magical shrines. These are little bronzes from the Mugga people with horses. A stone statue made of crystal, also from far west Nepal, and other horse ferva and bronze masks. So, when the shaman is... is uh, is going into trance they have these repetitive rhythms so usually played from this side so the vibration's actually going through through the body this is a denguru with a, um, a ferber handle and these are ferber. so ferber are like a mixture of a magic wand and a, a symbolic dagger so they're used for pinning down energy for destroying negative energy, for traveling with, for projecting the soul of the shaman and, and then traveling and journeying into other worlds, for seeking out information so the shaman can psychically send the fervor to retrieve information. And quite often when I've been in interviewing shaman, they're referring to their horse and traveling on their horse and I later realised they were talking about their drums they're talking about the repetitive rhythm going into trance and they're riding their horse so the drum in a way is, is like a sort of spiritual, spiritual horse and you can see the, you've got depictions of other animals tigers and elephants and naga snake gods and the kundalini and the double-ended knot and the vajra and the gods on, on the drums, and then the drum surface itself is is used as a sort of magical um, arena for. So you get these magical symbols, so a trident and a sun and a moon on the on both sides, and you have a, a, fi- a the skin of a female animal, male animal. So when you this is a Maga shaman uh, bronze mask, and you can see a temple in the middle, and either side are the shaman riding horses towards the temple. And the upper realm the, is often in the, um, the up, this upper band in in these masks. So the middle is sometimes uh, the middle world. So the the, the world of the senses the eyes and the ears and the nose this, the more lower sensory stuff of the, the taste is, is in the, the lower world so you often have Nagas and, and uh, scorpions and things in, the, in this bottom piece and um, this is the middle world and the upper world so the horses are riding, the shaman are riding through the spirit world and they're surrounded by tridents so trishals representing Shiva and also representing time. So past, present and future. They're riding through the past, present and future into the other worlds. So if they're wearing a mask like this, they're, they're using the mask as a way of transporting themselves from, from one type of state of being into another. And one way to think of the masks is the masks are like an image of the inner face they 're the inner representation of the archetypes through which the the shaman is is channeling themselves like a vehicle so the shaman is literally giving themselves to the the gift of their shamanism the gift of their spiritual powers the gift of the of nature and allowing themselves to become a conduit through which all sorts of energies can act so my my friend and teacher, my described shaman as, a, um, as gatekeepers. So they're standing at the thresholds between different worlds, which is also why Ganesh is often depicted on the furber and on the drums and other objects as the first teacher. So you can see here, you have a composite... Um, you see the trunk of Ganesh here but that's also turned into the eyes of a mshan. so a is a very powerful spirit um, and then the body of the Shaman so you see his arms are now wrapped around and the arm of the Shaman is also the trunk of Ganesh and the head up above and then these other implements of, of Uruda um, Beek and and um, a tree and a knot. You see these other, the Vajra. So you've got this multi-layered uh, symbolism. You've got the Naga for the Kundalini and then a trident and a Bamba or like a water vessel and, so, and, a, and a, a snake again at the bottom. So at the top here, you can see you've got a shaman in prayer riding on his spirit horse. These are very, very rare Type, very beautiful type of fervour from the Trishali area near, near a big river in um, over towards Cindepodjik, isn't it? Trishali. And um, yeah, so the shaman is riding, and he, these these uh, ribbons represent the rainbow, so a bridge again from one world to another. Um, and you can see across his back, you've got the bells which are used for protection as part of the spiritual armour but also for, for calling the spirits um, and for calling the ancestors and for helping to go into trance and then on the horse as well you've got the sun and a moon which are also represented on the Nepali flag so you've got this idea of time and passing through from one world to another and a similar symbolism on this other wonderful fervor with multiple malas a, sun, a moon on the other side a sun with the crescent moon below and the malas making up the body of the shaman and then a snake almost like a big long penis and the legs coming down the side really extraordinary and then these massive big uh Found Naga like snake gods but with the spiral representing the trunk of Ganesh again so and, and then the prayer so that that really shows you something you see they're running into the they're praying while travelling so it's not like riding in the normal sense it, it, it's a spiritual journey that where they're travelling from the heart or from the third eye or from the diaphragm So, there are practices where you can expand your energy body. There are Qigong practices, actually, that I learned to to do this, and then later found working with some Siberian shaman, that that was also how they traveled. So, my practice had been to listen to my heartbeat and to listen to the pauses between the heartbeat so that they became, so I became very present and my, my Tai Chi and Chi Kung training taught me to to experience those pauses between the beats, like holidays, and to to literally, and, and with the old-fashioned version of holidays, like Holy Day. So you're taking that space as a way to bring your consciousness in and, and a way to make a, an active choice about how you're going to be in that moment. And so even if you've got terrible, difficult things happening, every moment you have a choice to be, and the next moment you have a choice to be, and the next moment you have a choice to be. So it gives you enormous emotional control and energetic control. It's a horrible question. When someone says, how do you choose to be, and you've just had some horrible thing happen to you, and you're really angry or really upset or or whatever that emotion is, it's very easy to be dragged into the dragged into an emotion but and for that to then maintain itself to, to fuel itself into something more and more but being able to take that pause allows you to have the emotional presentness to choose what you want to do to choose how you want to be and the same the same in the shamanic path you need to have a certain amount of um, equanimity, and presentness to be able to choose how you flow with the energies that are present, or how you deal with the situation. You don't. You need to be engaged, but you also don't want to be swept up in. In in it because sometimes you're dealing with someone's extreme trauma, or maybe they're they're possessed by some sort of energy, and if you're, you you need to have enough connection to be able to to affect them. But you also don't want it to cling on to you, and so the, the 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 balance is being able to be present but empty, so it just flows through you, it passes through you, so you experience the pain with the person, but you're not holding on to it, you're not suffering it, um, and so the the horse symbolism comes into this because it's the horse is that. An image of sort of decision and of travelling and of journeying, a little bit like the bow and arrow as a symbol for holding a type of tension and control and release. The horse also needs you need to you need to be able to let it free and relax, but also you need to be able to control the wild force. You need to be able to to stay on, and so you get these symbolism. these are Mugger Shaman bronzes and there's a whole variety of them riding quite often with a sort of sexual element as well and that's, the sexual element is important because fundamentally shamanism has a type of tantric aspect to it um, in the sense that it's you could say that tantra is a type of Extreme presentness and engagement with 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 the sensory reality in a way that also transcends the sensory reality. So you're using your you're using your active engagement. You're using your active presentness. You're using your body as a vehicle. You're using the 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 reality of of. Uh, your your experiences, your your engagement with nature, your sensory feeling of, of of the rocks and the stones and the mountains and the trees, to fully fully bring yourself into into that uh, connection, and through that you transcend it. So you're not sort of separating yourself off and s- rising above it. You're you're transcending th- through through the experience fully fully recognising the body so you can see you've got these situations again where the shaman's riding the horse and he's in prayer he's wearing his cookery so he's going into action he's armed sometimes there you've got another, another shaman here with his his, his jani going across his, his mala beads Controlling the horse, riding the horse, with the, the penis sticking out. Another one here where he's holding his knife. He's riding. He's wearing his shame and crown. And another one with his gun over his shoulder, still wearing his hat, his feathered feather headdress, and the horse with the penis again. These are all mugger shaman and the the sense of physical journeying is very important for the mugger because a large part of the mugger are tribal and uh, semi nomadic. So traditionally they would travel from um, from from Tibet across Nepal into India and then back again, um, bringing uh, silk and and salt and other other things, and then coming back with metals and and also selling their animals, traveling with big herds. So you see the mala beads again, the crown, in prayer. Another one with a big knife. Another one here with a knife, and a little little hat. Another one with a gun over his shoulder. So very much that sense of um, travelling, of journeying, of empowerment, here with some sort of stick. And also with a, this is one of my favourites, it's really extraordinary, very abstract. It's lost a leg unfortunately. This is extraordinary, very sculptural. Amazing with the the bells on the front of the the horse really truly wonderful and then sometimes you have other things as vehicles as well. we have elephants or tigers um, here's a also mother Shaman right with his malas riding a riding an elephant and he's got the elephant goad on the head. So they have a big stick with a with a sort of hook to to nudge the elephant along. And then here is this this piece is uh um, is carved out of crystal. It's enormously heavy um, with the shaman riding riding his horse. This also mugger mugger shaman. And so on here you can see there's a. Um, a horse a shaman with a bow and arrow riding his horse this is a shamanic shrine so it's like an altar piece an an altar platform where you'd have bamba and other objects and you've got suns on both sides a a vadra and bell so the bell is the feminine and then the vadra is the masculine and it's like a thunderbolt so it's a symbol for um, fraternity and for unlimited energy and then the clapper is the masculine and the empty space inside the bell is the feminine and so you're sending sending the activated energy out into the world Um, these are the two primary tools in Vajrayana Buddhism as well and then here you've got the trident at the back of the shaman quite often you have tridents on the shoulders of the shaman in in these Manga bronzes and the bow and arrow again is like holding that tension in the same way as the tension of being relaxed while riding the horse and, and focused aiming somewhere, so that quality of having an aim having a focus and the holding the tension and releasing because you don 't reach your goal by holding the tension perpetually um, I, I once I once had a, a, a like a business disaster where i was preparing and preparing and preparing and preparing and the situations kept on changing and i was making all these terrible cash flow forecasts and the lesson from it was that you get what you focus on what i got was more cash flow forecasts what i got was more projected earnings and what i needed to do was work out the basics and then just go I needed to act and see what happened and then respond from that and later that's what I did and that was actually the foundation of, of, of this business like 25 years ago um, and the, the, my collecting had happened a, a long time before that but it's as with, as with all sort of passions um, you have to find a way, if you're really collecting, unless you've got enormous amounts of money, you have to find a way to make it fund itself. Um, so my primary interest is in using the things and in learning from them and practicing. But um, I've, turned, I've turned this expertise into a business because it, it has to sustain itself. So that, that quality of aiming and releasing, holding the tension and releasing is very very important it's, it's like a, a fundamental principle in, in creativity and in life but also in shamanism so you can see this symbolism is, is repeated again and again the shaman in prayer on top of the horse so in terms of the this is a very old and very warm quite abstracted fervor. but the bottom part is the lower world the middle part is the middle world the upper part is the upper world so you usually have um, I'll find one with a bit more symbolism on it so you've got Nagas so snake gods like the Kundalini coming up and the crossing over like the chakras sometimes Makaras or Nagas here this one's got different suns and moons so time so this is also representing past, present and future and then the middle section is usually a vadra, like a thunderbolt and sometimes with a never ending knot in the middle this one is very abstracted um, and very simplified but that represents um, limitless energy and uh, time and then you have the the top we've got gods so sometimes this is Sometimes Hindu gods, sometimes Buddhist gods, but always another layer of, of gods of rivers and mountains and forests. And then you see a really rather cute little horse on the top here, with to the the vehicle. This is so this is transcended even above the gods. Is the like the the projected thought, the projected uh, journey, the vehicle for the the vehicle for the action. So the furber is used in many different ways. It's used as a way, as a sort of symbolic knife, for cutting away stuff, for pinning stuff down, for destroying negative energy. It's also used as a way to to protect the shaman. So some shamans wear the furber in a little pouch over their heart. And I've even had shamans tell me that without the furber, they don't have any soul or they don't have any spirit of their own. And what they meant was that it's it's so, they're so identified with their fervor that the fervor is like a guardian for their spirit. And I, I have a fervor that I carry around everywhere and I, I treat like a bodyguard, um, particularly if I'm going into situations that are difficult. I, I carry it in my camera bag or in one of my pockets. Um, and so you can also send the with your with your consciousness to go and find stuff. So, because you're so identified with it, it, it it will carry the message for you or retrieve the message and come back. Um, so you see you've got the horse here. And again, you've got Ganesh as the first shaman. The Naga here on the bottom. The trident of Shiva, The... Um, Vajra of Thunderbolt, the gods and again a horse at the top and even here this mugabell, very crudely cast because it's made out of uh, wax originally mm-hmm. and then they pour in the metal and it burns the wax away but you see again the horse and the figure here on the top Activating the offerings in a ritual. So, I hope you found that interesting and useful. Um, do subscribe and um, do write comments and let me know what you're uh, what you're thinking and um, any let me know anything that you'd like me to make videos about. This is part of a much larger series on um, shamanic ritual objects and on some of the wider symbolism in in ritual use in Nepal. So um, I'll see you at the next one. Thank you.